Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. I'm your host, Kira Holly, and I work at the West Midlands Group. In today's episode, I caught up with Head of Succession Planning at Rabobank, Rosemary Bartle. Now, this is part two of our conversation on the topic of succession planning with Rosemary, so if you haven't listened to episode one, I would recommend going back and checking that out. This week's conversation covers decision-making around active and inactive family members, strategies to continue the process even when you don't see eye-to-eye, Where should succession planning take place? Is there a spot for success? And Rosemary's top recommendations for families who want good outcomes. This conversation was recorded in early August of 2020. Now, before we hear from today's guest, I'd just like to say the information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast. Right, let's get into the fun part. Okay, so then how how can families make decisions for children that are active and inactive in the farming business? Yes, yes, definitely need to be included because inheritance comes into all this as well and they need Mm. to know that they're being treated fairly. So, you know, making decisions uh, about what happens with assets for, you know, on-farm, off-farm children, everybody needs to know what those goals, you know, what the family and business goals are and what are the priorities for those goals. You know, for a lot of families, when we come together and and talk about what the goals are, you find that a lot of them are actually incompatible, which is why we then need to put priorities around them. So it's not unusual to to get the, you know, the goals are put on the table, aspirations as we want inheritance for all our children to be equal. You know, we love them equally and they're our equal children, so they all should get an equal share. Then it'll be that, well, this farm has been in the in the family for, for generations and we want that to continue. That That's our legacy. That's important to us. And it's important that it stays as one unit. And mum and dad, uh, we need the business to support us in our retirement. Mm. And you go, well, uh, just stop right there because if we look at the capacity of the business to achieve this, can it be done? And it, mm. and it may be that it can't be done. And, it, and, look, in most cases it can't be done. So then you've got to say, well, okay, they're the goals, but which one takes priority? Is it keeping the farm intact? Is it providing equal inheritance? So you need to get those goals out. You need to get some priorities around them. And then from there look at, well, how do we treat everybody fairly? And, and look, quite often the off-farm children also have a high priority around the goal of a of a farm staying in the family and remaining intact and being a viable business for those who are on the farm. And for that goal to be met, they will often be willing to take less from an inheritance perspective. But it's about being treated fairly. Equal is very hard to achieve. I, I think it's only about 5% of the families we've ever worked with have been able to achieve equal inheritance. But the important thing is it's about being treated fairly and making sure 
everything's taken into account with fairness, you know, contributions to the business, contributions from the business, ongoing financial obligations. So if the ones on the farm are going to have to support mum and dad in retirement, Mm. that needs to be taken into account. Um, Mm. The on-farm children, you know, it's useful for them to have clarity about what their financial obligations may be to their siblings down the track. You know, maybe there's a way that some early inheritance can be provided to off-farm children, take a smaller amount now while it's of more assistance to you, and then the ones on the farm have clarity about their financial obligations. And, you know, the other things you need to deal with is, you know, quite often the off-farm children will say, well, the farming assets make up the majority of the inheritance pool, you know, that, that pool of assets that's available for inheritance. The farming assets are the vast majority of that. And I'm happy for all that to go to my siblings who are on farm because that's important to me. However, I need some protection put in place if they go and sell up and go and live the life of Riley the day after they get it. If that was to happen, I think, you know, it could have been split more evenly. So, you know, all those issues need to be explored and where possible, plans put in place to meet everybody's needs. So, yeah, lots of things. The, The inheritance piece is a very difficult one, particularly where being equal is rarely rarely possible but it is look it's about fairness making sure that we get it as fair as possible yeah yeah so you want to get it as fair as possible obviously but what if a family can't see eye to eye and and one person's fair is another person's unfair how can you get them to being happy with the decisions and and the plan yeah look i (laughs) When, when you start this process and say, well, what is it that you want to achieve out of this process? And quite often the first answer that comes back is I want everybody to be happy. The <laughs> response to that is forget it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> because, and, and we say that a good outcome is that everybody leaves the process, leaves the table with a little bit of a bitter taste in their mouth. It's very rare that all expectations, goals can be met. Mm. There needs to be compromise. But what we want at the end of the day is for everybody to say, look, I haven't got exactly what I want. This this is not, you know, 100%. However, everybody's had to compromise a little bit. I can live with that. I can, I can be party to all these agreements we've got to, happily sign all those agreements and we still get along and we still work together. Now, there will be, in the majority of cases, goal, you know, individuals who have goals that a business or the family may not be able to accommodate or they may be able to be accommodated with, you know, if we get a bit more creative in our thinking and, and you know, indulge in a little more compromise, if you like. But at the same time, we do need to be realistic and be aware that at times some individuals will have goals that cannot be accommodated and maybe we have to cut them free. Mm. It doesn't mean that people's goals are right or wrong. There is no right and wrong. They're my goals, they're your goals. Can they be accommodated within this business? Maybe, maybe not. If they can't be, we need to acknowledge that. An example might be, so I worked with a family a few years ago. They had four children 
all of whom wanted to come back to the farm. There was only room for one. And they oh, were no. each each one was dead set that it was going to be them. So how are we going to resolve this? You know, not everybody's goals can be accommodated. So in the end, the family decided that there would be a job application process. So each child would have to put forward a business plan about how they would see the business being run in the future, their plans for, you know, the enterprise, the farm development, expansion, et cetera, et cetera, including if they were the ones to get the gig, how would they make allowances, accommodate, provide for their other siblings where required. They would have to put in a job application. And we've actually formed up a panel to assess these the business plans and the job applications. So that panel included the parents, accountant, bank manager, and I think from memory their farm consultant as well. So they went through a very professional process of choosing who would get to come home to the farm. Um, so it was a very transparent process mm. and and it was actually very well received. And how so, are they doing now? So one, one was appointed. I, I don't say the siblings initially were getting along all that well. So there are still a few issues being worked through, but they've got a process for working through it. And I think that's the important thing. And and that process really is about communication, about what's mm-hmm. happening on the farm and the direction of the farm and how the ones who didn't win the gig will be looked after down the track, or when I say looked after, treated fairly down the track in terms of inheritance. Yeah, wow, what a, that is such a tricky situation. It is indeed, but, but not all that unusual. So... Um, you mentioned equity or earning equity in the business earlier. Can can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So when when we're talking about transitioning a business, the business and the farming assets, we, we've got two two buckets there, if you like. One is the business, and one is the land and other assets. You know, well, basically, the land assets and the business assets. So. Often when children come home, you know, they'll start off working as an employee and then a progression is often that they're brought into the business at some stage. It's often worked out around, well, you're working here in this business. The business can't afford to actually pay you what you're worth. So we may pay you a station hand's wage, but in actual fact, you're worth about three station hands. Family labour is always worth a lot more than than employed labour just because they've got skin in the game. It's family that put more more effort in. They're wanting to see the business succeed. So when we talk about earning equity in the business, it might be, well, okay, you're an employee but you're only paid this much but you really owed another amount. So we'll keep a record of that and, and at some stage when the time is right, we'll convert that into equity in the business. So we'll bring you in as a partner in the business. So you may now, for example, you know, the business may be, for an example, a a partnership between mum and dad. So at some stage down the track, as reward for, uh, or, you know, or to cover remuneration that we weren't able to pay you, we will give you a third share of, Mm. of the business. And it may also be for recognition of the growth that they, you know, the contribution that they have made to the growth of the business. So this this business has expanded, gone ahead, is a lot more profitable 
due to the work, the new technology you've brought to the business, you know, the decision-making, the, the management effort that you've put in here. So as a result of that, we'll bring you in as a partner. You now share in a third of the profits, for example. Oh, that makes total sense. So then once you've got your succession plan or your, it's underway, your family's talking, there's some processes in place, how often should it's a succession plan be updated or or a meeting be had just to make sure that everyone is still on the same page and everyone's expectations and needs are being met? Yeah, look, uh, a succession plan should always be reviewed. I think first and foremost, whenever there's a major change, so those changes might be illness, might be marriage, might be death, might be divorce, might be somebody else wanting to come home on the farm. It might even be when the farm, you know, if, if there's a an expansion, they go and buy another farm um, or sale of assets, conversely. Um, or people's goals and aspirations change. Or if somebody suddenly feels that they're being treated unfairly or new opportunities become available. Any sort of major change the family needs to come back around the table with that plan and review it. The other, the other way of doing it, uh, some families I work with will say, well, okay, we're going to schedule in a review of this plan every five years, for example. Yeah. So they always need to be reviewed on a timely basis because circumstances do change and they should always be reviewed if and when circumstances change. Is it on the person whose circumstances are changing to say, hey, we should have a meeting? Or is there someone in that family unit or part of the succession planning process, say the third party, who whose responsibility it is to say, hey, something's changed, we should have a look at the succession plan again and review? Possibly two answers to that, Kira. If an individual's expectations, aspirations or circumstances change, I think they should put their hand up and say, hey, I'd like to revisit this. I think we should have another family mm-hmm. meeting. The other the other way of looking at it is, is that a succession plan needs to be driven from the top down. So mm-hmm. it's the older generation who need to be driving the whole process. You know, it's up to the, if it's the younger generation trying to push the older generation into it, you know, we, we get the arms folded, the, you know, the heels being kicked into the dirt and, and that resistance being there. So in the first instance, definitely driven from top down. You know, look, the younger generation can sort of put their hand up and say, hey, I think this would be a good thing for us to start doing or it needs doing. Let's get around the table and start work on it. But mum and dad have got to be on board with that. So that needs to happen in the first instance. If circumstances change, the one who is facing the change of circumstance, you know, first and foremost needs to put the hand up and say, hey, let's get back around the table and talk about it all again. What tips would you give to a farming family that's looking at getting started with their succession planning? First of all, start early. (laughs) Start early and start early. Uh, And remember... (laughs) This process is all about communication and it's about keeping the family together. Involve all family members, including your in-laws. Get to agreements about, you know, the what, the who, the when, the how. Get it all written down, agreed to, and review on a regular basis. And again, communicate and again, start early. 
That's some good advice. I've got two more questions that I wanted to ask. My first one is when you're going into these meetings, is there somewhere that you would suggest people should meet as a a kind of neutral environment? Or I can imagine if you're going into the kitchen with mum and dad, someone's going to be in charge in that scenario because it's their house. But also you could also say that it's a safe place because that's the kitchen that you grew up in. Or would you go to a cafe or would you go to an office? Is there a recommended location for these sorts of meetings just to have the most beneficial environment possible? Yep, you you hit the nail on the head there. (laughs) Definitely an off-farm venue, a meeting room. You're going to be in there for most of the day. So cafe, no. (laughs) It needs to be private. (laughs) There's a lot of people. A lot of personal and private discussions to be had. It needs to be a neutral venue. Now, couple of you know, a couple of reasons for being off farm is the neutral venue. If you meet at the you know the kitchen table of mum and dad's house, often what will happen is that we assume those family roles. So mum and dad are in charge, you're the little child that sits down there. You know, we don't intend it to happen, but that's how we behave. You know, we go back to how we communicated and the hierarchies of the family when we were much younger. So we need to be in that neutral venue where nobody's got the upper hand or feels that they're in charge because they're sitting at the head of the table. And the other thing is it's to avoid distractions. So we don't want to be in the situation where the phone's ringing, the two ways going off, um, you know, the semi's coming in with the with all the chemicals that need unloading. We need people focused on the job at hand. So, yes, definitely off-farm in a good private, quiet venue. Yeah. And then my last question, you've been doing this for a long time. What keeps you interested in this particular part of farm businesses? And Yeah, well, passionate about all things agriculture and farming. And I think really this is about helping people, helping families through a very difficult, fraught process. And it is rewarding to be able to help people through this whole succession planning process, help them get better processes in place, better communication, better families out the other end. And just being able to get people through roadblocks. And, you know, there might might be conflict there, but there's always a cause. So let's work on that, finding out what that cause is. You know, conflict's aren't there. We, we're not there to treat symptoms. Let's dig down, find those causes and fix them so that people can work together. You know, they may not end up being the best of mates, but, you know, we want people to be able to work together and families to stick together. And I think the rewarding thing is if, if you can work with a family, maybe got a bit of conflict there, but get them through the other end, help them mend those bridges, get through those roadblocks. And at the end of the day, to see them Grandparents and grandchildren still have really good relationships. Siblings get on, cousins play together. The family come together for social events. I think that is rewarding. Making sure they can still have Christmas together every year. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. So much good information there. Thanks for taking the time, Rosemary. Thanks, Kira. Always good to talk about succession. Hopefully get people starting at the right end and at the right time. That brings us to the end of this two-part episode. A huge thank you to Rosemary for taking the time and sharing her wisdom and experience with us. If you would like to get in touch with Rosemary, who is the Head of Succession Planning at Rabobank, her details are in today's show notes. So, some key messages. 
In most cases, including active and inactive family members in the planning process will lead to better results. In Rosemary's words, it's about being treated fairly. Creativity and compromise will be needed in most cases to ensure goals and priorities are achievable. It's not always realistic for a farm to be able to support everyone's aspirations. Update the plan as regularly as you need. With changing situations comes different priorities for each family member involved. And once again, start early. That's Rosemary's top tip for success in succession. There's also a bunch of resources linked in today's show notes if you would like more information on the topic. The best way to receive our updates and to stay in the loop with the latest in local research is by becoming a West Midlands Group member. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do and we pride ourselves on ensuring members like you receive relevant, innovative information. A membership gets you early access to our workshops, free or discounted entry for up to three farm business members to our major events, including Springfield Days, and exclusive access to a member-only publications like our technical newsletter, the WMG Quarterly. For more information, visit our website where you can sign up anytime. And thank you as always for tuning in. We want to know what you want to hear about. In the show notes, you'll be able to find a link titled Podcast Feedback, where you can let us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about, and it would just give us a better idea of what you guys are interested in. You can stay in the loop by subscribing so that you know when the next episode drops. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review. I'd like to thank our sponsors and members without whom this would not be possible. See you next time for some more Paddock Chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.